0: vigilante who loves electrocuting people so much the media dubbed him the prod father like a cattle prod and then we take a trip to Finland back in the 1700s an old man was visited by a bird three times and that was just the beginning of a UFO adventure today on Dead Rabbit Radio Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Let's go ahead and get started with the episode here. I want to talk about vigilantes. Now, originally we had a vigilante week planned. And then I was like, nah, I couldn't really find five good ones. I found four good ones. One of them was those dudes who were cutting the buttholes out of MS-13. I did that episode a while back. And that you're like, you no, you just can't move on from that. I didn't hear that episode. Yeah, we'll listen to that episode. Cutting out buttholes. This was another part of Vigilante Week. Now we're going to Brooklyn. So hold on to your buttholes, boys. We hop in the carbon copter. We start f- flying around. We're going to Brooklyn. So we land in Brooklyn, and there's this Brooklyn rabbi just kind of standing there. Standing on the street corner. And we're like, hey, you must be Mendel Epstein. He's like, how did you know? And we're like, well... Because you're holding a cattle prod. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. Hides behind his back. So this was the story with Mendel Epstein. This is this is his story. In the Orthodox Jewish community, if a woman wants a divorce, she needs to get a git. And I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But anyways, I'm probably pronouncing Rabbi wrong, to be honest. You have to get a git. So a git is a, like, religious document saying that your husband doesn't want to be with you. Now... The husband can easily say no I don't want a divorce you're not getting the get and basically it becomes a who's on first type of situation but I want the get you don't get the get laugh track <laughs> actually it's a really tragic thing the woman's trying to leave her husband now if the basically the thing is work it out guys but if you if he's being abusive or he's having some sort of drug alcohol problem he's not healthy for you or the family, the wife can ask for extra judicial, extra strong measures to get the get, and then they have to go to a, um, a dayan. That's a rabbinical judge, and the rabbinical judge can say, "We're gonna shun him. Like as a community, we're gonna shun him until you get the get." And so that's one way, they're not going to force him to do it, there's a little asterisks there, but basically they can make it like, if he goes to do business, they won't do business with him, that type of thing, they shut him until finally he's like, okay, okay, I'll give my wife a divorce. If that doesn't work, in the most extreme measures, they can beat him up and say, divorce your wife, divorce your wife, and they're like punching him in the stomach, he's like tied up with his hands above his head like in an action movie, and they're like punching him in the stomach till he signs the divorce paper. So... There's this dude named Mendel Epstein, and he goes, yeah, that's that's way too much legwork. That is not, that's totally not cool. Like, we need, I'm an advocate for women. I'm going to go just to the instep. So, and it, this is kind of an interesting story, because there's two different ways to look at it. <laughs> One, there's the way that I initially read it, and then there's the way that the story ends. So, you have this guy who's like, sitting in his synagogue, and these crying widows are coming... Not widows. (laughs) Why would you need a divorce if you're a widow? These crying women come up to him, and they're like, my husband's abusing me, and he won't give me the git. And Mendel Epstein's stroking his beard, and he's like, I I can take care of this for you. I have a posse. I'm going to call up my boys. We're going to take this dude out to the middle of nowhere. We're going to take him to Jersey. We're going to punch him in the stomach a lot. And then we're actually going to, like, electrocute him with a cattle prod. (laughs) It's not just a little bit of roughing them up, they would take these guys across state lines and just, they'd torture them for hours. And they would electrocute them with cattle prods on the genitals, which to me at that point, I'm already getting 50,000 volts going through my skin. I'm not going to be like, and then he used it on my elbow and the, everyone's like, that's lame. It's still a cattle prod. It's still made to move a beast that's a half ton. Genitals versus my nose it doesn't matter but anyways he was and then miraculously these women would get a get. they could get a divorce for 30 years he was doing this men in the jewish community were obviously going to the police and saying hey man we we're getting dragged dressed i woke up in new jersey my genitals were burned uh, these dudes beat me up and the police would go well do you know who did it and he's like well no they were wearing masks but i have a pretty good idea i think it was mendel epstein and his crew they they wear, they have matching leather jackets that say "Prod Father" on them because that ended up being the nickname the media dubbed him when he does get arrested. That's spoiler alert, but they called him the "Prod Father" because he ran this gang that electrocuted people with with cattle prods. He's like, look at they're wearing those jackets right now. They're like doing a doo wop group on the corner, and the cops are like, eh. The cops pretty much ignored all of these complaints, and at one point, people were really trying to get law enforcement to investigate this. And they would either not look into it or the charges would get dropped before trial. Men started staging like there was a male rights group outside of Mendel Epstein's home, like protesting. They're like, what do we want? No more genital shocks. When do we want them? Never to have happened in the first place. They're all like limping and nobody can touch Mendel Epstein. But what? Which is weird. And you're thinking, maybe, Jason, Jewish conspiracy. Why would these, the, the Jews are being protected by the government? But the victims are Jews, too. So that doesn't wash. I think, really, I think it comes down to that thing where you have the secular community of New York being like, we don't want to get involved in what the, whatever religious nonsense this group is doing. Like We don't know if this is normal. We don't know. And we see that happen a lot. A lot of times, secular governments, when you have these weird offshoots, they'll be like, We're not going to look into it unless it gets really bad. A lot of times, because of the freedom of religion in America, they're a little reluctant sometimes to look into stuff. But anyways, for whatever reason, the FBI eventually goes, we need to look into this dude because we're getting multiple reports of kidnapping and torture. Why isn't anyone doing anything about this? They end up scooping up two members of this conspiracy because it wasn't just him. It was like 10 guys, and he's in his 60s at this point. This is in 2013. He'd been doing this for 30 years. They scoop up two people. They turn them against them. They do a scam. They have someone come in and they're like, oh, my husband won't give me a git. And Mendel Epstein's like, oh, I'll take care of it for you. Uh, let me go grab my cattle prod. Now, at this point, he wasn't doing them himself. Like, he's like, I'm going to go see a movie and then you go do something else. And then your, your husband's going to get uh tortured out here. And everyone got scooped up. Everyone got arrested. Relatively light sentences. It was like, I think the most anyone got was eight years. A lot of them got four years. But I remember reading the story and I go, ah, it, like, like, fighting against corruption. And in that case would be if a drunken, abusive husband is like beating his wife. And she's like, all I want to do is divorce. And he's like, never. Beating her up. And then someone, like, kind of steps into the room and he's, like, hands off of her. And then, like, electrocutes him in the genitals? That's a vigilante. That's something Daredevil would do. Or Spider-Man. Spider-Man might not electrocute him in the genitals. But vigilanteism is standing up for the weak against the strong. Whatever case that could be. It could be, like, there's a abusive government. And, you know, you're running and you're punching up a bunch of cops. You're electrocuting them in the dick. Or... It could be something as simple as someone's getting the tar kicked out of him next to your house. And you walk outside and you're like, stop, evildoer. I don't recommend doing either of those, by the way, because they'll probably end poorly. But again, this guy, I was reading this and I was like, he is a vigilante. This guy will be part of Vigilante Week. But I didn't end up doing Vigilante Week. I set it aside and then I go, oh, I want to cover this story again. I always thought it was interesting. Basically, a rebel rabbi fighting for the good of women who were in bad situations. Turns out, when I <laughs> reread the story, I missed the key detail. He charged them insane amounts of money to do this. So first off, you had to pay $10,000 just, just for him to go to a rabbinical court, to go to the day-in, and be like, I need to do this get thing. So he had to basically pay off another rabbi... To allow him to take this extra measure, and then it was an additional sixty thousand dollars for the operation. He's like, "I got to pay my boys. My boys don't do this for free. What you think justice is free?" She'd be like, "Yeah, kind of. No, it's not. You got to pay me. I mean, you got to got to. I got to pay someone ten thousand bucks to take care of this. So you give me ten thousand bucks, I'll go to this judge." And then it's additional $60,000 to have your husband driven across state lines and beat up. Now, they did this 30 times. So 70 times 30 is is what? So that'd basically be $210,000 over the course that, no, it'd have to be more than that, right? I got to get my calculator. You're so mad right now. You're like, Jason, do you really need a calculator? You really need a calculator for 70,000 times 30? I do. Because I think it's 2,100,000, but that seems too low. It might be 2.1 million, honestly. I got the 21 right, so you can't get too mad at me. Let's see here. 70,000 times. <laughs> Compelling podcasting, I know. 30 years. And it was about it was about once per year. It was about one victim per year. Uh... Yeah, $2.1 million. So, I mean, that's not a bad haul. I guess that's not a lot of money over the course of 30 years, though. But, yeah, so anyways, not really a vigilante if you're charging people $70,000 per head. I'd love to see Batman, like, be watching over the city, and there's, like, someone getting their purse snatched. He jumps down and beats some guy up, and then he turns to the lady, and he goes, I'll take half of whatever's in your purse. She's like, ugh. He has his utility belt is full of like breath mints, tampons, and like $5 in change that he's gotten throughout his night of crime fighting. You're not a vigilante if you charge money for it. I can understand if you like raise funds or you steal money from the people you're attacking. But other than that, come on. So not a vigilante, just a guy who really liked electrocuting people in the genitals, i.e. Jigsaw. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story here. Our next story is a request... From Finland, we have a lot of Finland listeners. They really came out of the woodwork when I made all those Finland jokes a while back. This is Baba. Wait, is it? It's Baba Baba is this person. I left out a Baba. Baba. Baba Baba. Baba Baba sent me an email after our Finland story. It's a tale known as Tituvari. Tituvari. So come here, sit. Now all of a sudden, you're. I'm an old Finnish man sitting in a... Like a log cabin. I don't know where they build stuff out of there. Gingerbread. We're in a gingerbread house built in Finland, right? So I'm like an old papa. And I have an old pipe full of new tobacco. Because otherwise that would be disgusting. And you guys are all children now. I'm like, come here. Get off my laps. No, that's gross. Got cooties. Y'all got cooties. Just sit in a circle around me. I will tell you the story of Tituvara. Tituvari, I meant. As I re-looked at my notes. Puffing on my pipe. So thank you, Baba Baba, for the adventure we're about to tell. The year is 1701, and we're in Sahalati, Finland. And I point out the window, and that's exactly where we're at. We're at Sahalati, Finland, and I'm like, "Why are we sitting down? Let's go on an adventure!" So we all stand up. You guys are like, "Yay, hey, yay, hey, hey, Jason, yay, yay!" And I'm like, I "Get out again!" Trying to kick you off my legs. We open the door, and we walk outside, and it's beautiful. It's Finland. It's all green and lush, and I assume. Could be disgusting garbage heap over there. I don't know. Anyways, we're walking across this town, this little town of Salahati. And we see Titu Vari. We're just going to call him Titu for now. Titu is actually his name. I think Vari means grandpa. But anyways, everyone in town loved this dude. Like, nobody hated him, which is kind of what I meant when I said everyone loved him. He was a good guy. He was not a guy who would have his butthole taken out. Anyways, he's walking. No, No, he's done walking. He's in his house. And one day a bird ca, 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 lands on his roof. And he looks out his window and he goes, Oh, there's a bird on my roof. And then whoo, 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 it was not a boomerang, that's the bird flying away. And he's like, Oh, it was an interesting day. I can't wait to tell everyone in town about the bird that landed on my roof. It's a very, very slow town, provincial life. This town makes the town and Beauty and the Beast. Look like Las Vegas. It's that slow. It's that provincial. Oh, news in town. Did you hear a bird landed on Titu's roof? I know, dude. I wish it was there to see that. Next day, Titu is hanging out in his house, drinking some tea or whatever they drink over there gingerbread, coffee. And ca, 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 bird lands on his roof and he's like, Can it be? Can it have happened twice in two days? And then whoo, 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 bird flies off. And he at this point, Titu is like, Hmm. It's a little too much excitement in this town. I okay, get some more gingerbread coffee. The next day in town, Tito's hanging out in his house and he hears a caw caw caw. And he kind of looks out his window and he sees the bird approach. Whoo, whoo, whoo. Wait, no, that's it going the opposite direction. It lands and then whoo, 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 flies away. And at that point, Tito turns to his wife, okay? This story is so weird and it's weird there I I'll, I'll, I almost feel like it's true. And I'll get into that in a second. But anyways, Titu turns to his wife. He turns and he says to his wife, I got ordered to go to the woods and I have to obey that order. Apparently he's also Barack Obama's ancestor, but he's not. He's not Barack Obama's ancestor. He does, though, tell his wife that he does have to go to the woods. the The bird landing on his roof three times means it's time for him to go to the woods. So he gets up the wife's like, now? And he's like, yeah, I got to take care of this now. The bird is telling me to go to the woods. So then he just walks off into the middle of the woods. Later that day, everyone in town is just kind of going about their business. They're like, dude, did you hear Titu went into the woods? Like, I know that bird landed three times. I wonder what it could mean. And we're standing around. We're going, nothing. It means nothing. Birds land on roofs all the time. But we don't say that out loud because there's a real kind of children of the corn vibe in this town. We're afraid we're going to get murdered if we speak out. And then poof, we look up, and there's a massive UFO flying over town. It appears out of nowhere. It's not like a, a gradual shadow slowly grows, like an anvil falling on wily e. Coyote. It's just. Poof, when everyone looks up, there's this massive saucer shaped UFO. And it starts flying over town over to the forest, and then it disappears. Now, there's no confirmation to as it, does it vanish from sight? Does it fly up at a fast speed? Does it disappear into the tree line? Does it simply disappear out of view? The story goes, it just disappears. Everyone runs and hides. Nowadays, everyone's like, oh, the UFO, where's my cell phone? I'm gonna take videotape of this. Aliens are jumping out with laser beams. Oh, I can't wait to put this world star, world star, Back then the, the giant UFO appeared over your city. You ran for cover because you don't know what's gonna happen. Plus World Star is not around yet, so why take footage? You don't even have a phone. You don't even know what a phone is or a camera. Anyways, spaceship flies overhead. Everyone ran into their houses. Now I would do that probably too. I always think about that if I was walking to work or walking around and I saw like UFO dropships, like where would I go to hide? It's funny, my I used to think what I would do during a zombie apocalypse, but I've, that's kind of passe. I kind of know everything I would do. So now I've like, I saw drop ships coming and aliens jumping out with laser rifles. Where would I go? Where would I hide? I kind of play that out in my head. I want to do what these guys did. They run and hide. They stay in their houses for three days. Nobody leaves their houses. They're so terrified. They see this UFO over their town. Nobody leaves their houses for three days. The story says that the cows were actually crying. No, that's not a, that's not a brontosaurus. This isn't all of a sudden that movie Baby, the Lost Dinosaur from that came out in that stupid movie that came out in the 80s that tried tricking all the kids into thinking it was about dinosaurs. You remember that movie? What well, it was called like Baby. It was about a little brontosaurus in Africa and you're like, Oh, dope, it's going to be about dinosaurs. And the cover was a picture of a dinosaur. Okay, to be fair, it is about dinosaurs. It is about it is about as much about dinosaurs as E.T. is about aliens. It's just a cute little puppet dinosaur walking around and people petting it. And then some hunter trying to kill it. And they make the dinosaur go away at the end. It's E.T. with a baby dinosaur. And it sucked. So I was so mad, and so many people rented that movie. Now I don't care how well it did financially. I don't care about that. I remember going over to people's houses, and they'd be like, "Oh, we rented a movie," because it was a big thing to rent a movie back then. It was like five bucks, and five bucks was basically like ten bucks when I was a kid. You'd be like, "Oh, we rented a movie," and I'd be like, "What? Did you rent? Did you rent Tron? Did you rent G.I. Joe the movie? No, we rented, babe. <laughs> I'm gonna murder you in your sleep." This sleepover is not going to last long. Well, it will for me. I'll sleep like a baby. Pun intended. So let's... What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. The cows. Now, it's funny because when Baba Baba sent me the story, he said that the cows were full, like, so hungry. They were, were, like, so hungry they hadn't eaten anything in three days. They they were mooing, which is probably the case. When I went to go look more into the story, I found a couple Finnish websites that talked about it. And they used the term, their udders were full. So I think, I don't know if it's, I don't know which one's true. It could be both. One of them was they're like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm just going to start screaming until someone feeds me stuff. The other one is that no one was there to milk them. And so they basically had the equivalent of like just so much milk in their boobies that it hurt. Which what I don't understand is then how do cows do it? When they don't have little cow babies to drink the milk. Or do they always have cow babies to drink the milk? Like, do we make cows constantly have milk in them? Like, by pulling on their nipples? Does that make milk in them? I don't know. I don't know anything about, well, really anything that doesn't involve aliens. But, like, I don't know how that works. I'm sure that, I don't think cows constantly have to have milk in them. I think we probably massage the udder or something like that. Or they have baby cow. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Like, I know that if a woman has a baby, she has milk in her boobs. But if the, if the baby isn't there, if the baby's, like, on a road trip or something like that, she can pump the milk. But if the baby's nine, she doesn't have milk in her boobs anymore. So, does this cow, do all of the, do cows constantly have babies so they constantly have milk? Or is there something else you can do to make them have milk? Really, the question I'm asking is, can you take a human and constantly massage their boobs and milk shoot out all the time? Because I've heard that sometimes dudes can have milk come out because the milk ducts are there. But I'm going to think that that's just (laughs) super disgusting and don't want to know if I have milk in my body. I already have so many other fluids in my body I don't know what to do with. I don't want to know there's an additional one, that there's cantaloupe-tasting fluid in my body. Anyways... The cows were crying. That was the point. We got two segues out of that one cow crying story. I'm kind of impressed by myself. They wouldn't even look out their windows. These people were so scared. They didn't want to know why the cows were crying. Giant udder tracks in the dirt. They're just dragging around these giant milk filled udders. But after three days, people kind of, you know, man up and they're like, yeah, let's go outside. So they go outside and everything's fine. They start milking the cows. They start feeding them at the same time. No UFO, everything's normal. But then somebody notices, oh, dude, you know how we all went hiding in our houses and stuff like that? Nobody's seen T2 since. Nobody's seen T2. Is he in your house? No. Is he in your house? No, he's in your house. Eventually, T2's son says, I'm going to go out looking for my dad. Got to find him. See if he's been crying in the forest for three days. (laughs) Big utters, big man utters hanging low. Anyways, the sun goes out. He goes in the forest looking for him. And as T2's son is chilling. Well, he's not chilling. He's actually looking for his father. He's mourning his loss, hoping he can find this guy. He turns a corner. Because apparently those exist in nature. He turns and there's a bear. Bear walking towards him. Giant bear. Don't fear me. It's useless to search for your father, the bear says. This giant bear begins to talk to Titu. You also saw the ship of the sky, which was shining like a rainbow. It took your father up to the heights, to another, better world, where lives a race much higher than your people. Your father feels good in there, and doesn't miss home. Bear wanders back off into the forest. So T2 son, after shock, after the shock wears off of a bear talking to him and losing his father, goes back into town. And he says, I talked to a bear, and everyone's like, what? He goes, that's not even the weird part. <laughs> I talked to a bear, and he said that giant uh, spaceship, the ship of the sky, is what he called it. Not a spaceship, we don't know what space <laughs> is yet. The giant ship showed up. My dad got on that and he's hanging out with another group of people a better class of people or something and everyone's like americans and he's like probably but i'm assuming that he left this planet and everyone's like oh that's kind of sad so they stopped looking for him and so for quite a while this obviously was the talk of the town a man saw an omen walked into a field or forest is actually what happened jason (laughs) pay attention pay attention to the story you're telling ufo shows up Guy disappears, talking bear shows up, says, don't worry, he's somewhere else. Now, obviously, that's going to be the talk of the town for a while. A new priest arrives in town, and he starts hearing the story about talking bears and space stuff, and he's like, no, 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 that stuff is not true. We're not even going to talk about that. This is the quote. This story is sinful witchcraft, and it represents the twisted mind of drunken mad people. It has to be forgotten. And it was kind of started being purged out of the town's memory. But obviously, if we're talking about it now, it's still around. That's the story of Tituvari. So let's take a look at this story here real quick. So one, this story seems to have actually be a real story in the sense that it hasn't been made up in the past 20 years. It's not an Internet meme. It does seem to be a very, very old story. Two, when we're thinking about it being true, obviously, talking bears and UFOs, you think, well, you know, that's probably a fictional story. It's probably a fairy tale. What I think that's interesting about it is that, it, and this could be a cultural thing, but it doesn't, if it's a fairy tale or a fable, there's no, what's the moral? (laughs) Don't hire a new priest. Don't go out into the woods if three birds show up. Like, what's, there doesn't seem to be any through line as far as a moral or a fable goes. No one gets their comeuppance. No one finds out a new revelation. The only thing that really happens is you have a series of events and then someone else shows up and says, I don't want you guys talking about that anymore. It's sinful. It's witchcraft. The story takes place in 1701. So, remember, at that point, humanity is quite advanced. Yes, people were still believing in witchcraft and superstitions, but people still believe in that stuff now. By 1701, we were technically... Let me rephrase that. In 1701, we were about as mentally advanced as we are today. When you go farther and farther back, when we're looking at like 400 AD or 600 BC and stuff like that, people still were on this totally different wavelength because it was all about fighting for survival every single day. These guys are living in a gingerbread town. Society has coalesced. We're only 75 years away from the American Revolution and all the stuff that's going on in Europe that I don't know about. So we... We're we're now the big the big difference between 1701 and 2019 really is technology. I would argue that society and culture and everything it was is fairly the same on a scale on a on a that short term of a scale. The only thing difference is the level of technology we have. So it's not like these guys were out cutting toads open and reading the fortunes. And if they were, we do that today anyways. These guys were fairly rational people. I think that. It's funny, because when I read this story, it seems very real to me. I mean, yeah, you're just chasing, you're like, there's a talking bear in it. And I get that. But there's just some, because everyone reacts the way people would react. Other than the bird landing on the house. Every, I just, I don't, I, I, maybe I can't even put it into words. The story sounds just as likely to me is happening as the story yesterday about the guy eating space pancakes. I think they're both fairly rational stories. And again, yes, one does involve a talking bear, but it just seems real to me. Now, is the story real? This is interesting. I was looking into this. Baba 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 basically sent me the version of the story that I just read to you. I went and found versions online that matched it up pretty closely. And then I had to look a little bit deeper into the myth. If this story... Did, the, the the question is this. Tituvari apparently did really exist. And he did go missing. Those two things are actually true. The question is, did any of the events happen that are about this? What's interesting, looking into this story, is that at the time they're basically doing this big like military push in the area. A bunch of wars being fought. It was Europe. They're always shooting each other, bashing each other's brains in over something. And there was some sort of clause that landowners couldn't be taken out to war. So the theory is that Tutuvari, who did own all this land, disappeared, left on purpose, and left the land to his son so his son wouldn't be conscripted to join the military. So the event that we know those events happened, Tutuvari actually existed, he did go missing, and his son ended up inheriting his land. The question is, did that involve a UFO and a talking bear, or was it simply a matter of a father wanting to protect his son from one of Europe's unending conflicts? It's an interesting story either way, though. One is the story of a father's love that's realistic, and his love became legend. became the story of talking bears and UFOs. Or, this man could have actually been a good man on Earth, everybody loved him, and some alien race was watching him, watching his good deeds, watching him be the human we all hope to be. Because if you're going to invite somebody back to your home planet, if you're going to invite somebody into your house, don't you want to invite the best of the best? No, dude, I'm a, I'm a gangster. I like, hang-. but you hang out with the best gangsters possible, right? You don't hang out with lame gangsters. Even if you're a bad guy, you want to hang out with the best of the best bad guys. So maybe. That was the point. Maybe the point is to be a good person. To be the best you can possibly be. Because aliens don't want to take lamos back to their planet. They want to take back the ultimate example of human purity and passion. That sounded like it was going to be Fifty Shades of Grey aliens. That's not what I was going for. There may be an alien planet out there somewhere inhabited by some of the best humanity has to offer. Because if you were going to abduct somebody, you'd want this is keeps going sideways. Let's see if we can figure out a way to say what I'm trying to say is don't abduct anybody. And if you're gonna abduct people, don't abduct the best people. Just don't abduct people. What I'm trying to say is it would make sense for an alien race to not just want to beam anyone back to their planet. It would make sense for them to want to beam back the best of the best. And by all accounts, that's who Tituvari was. Because even if Tituvari wasn't abducted by aliens, we're talking about a man who sacrificed everything to keep his son out of a brutal war. Self-sacrifice is one of the greatest things humans can do. To give up their own life or own freedom for the sake of another. That's what our heroes do, and that's what we should try to do every day. Not every day, because then you die all the time. But you know what I mean. We should be giving to others, is what I'm saying dead radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash radio twitter is at jason o carpenter dead rabbit radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today have a great one guys